0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Welcome to Mark and Michael's Musings, a matchsticks and gasoline podcast under the umbrella of SB Nation and their NHL podcast network. We are here to talk a little flames today and a whole bunch of other NHL stuff, some football stuff, some weather stuff. Uh, Michael, how's it going?
0: Um, It's going pretty well today, Mark. How are you doing?
1: good i like the stash it's a good look i like it
0: i mean it was the end of november and it was there so i was like you know what, we're gonna keep it for a bit and uh see what happens i did a design where i shaved my sideburns right into the stash for like the last day of november because our hockey team did it so we had a game that night so i did something a little crazy then i was like then i was told i wasn't allowed to come home if i kept that so i'm just down to a stash (laughs) now
1: i like it looks good Got that canadian firefighter thing going on i like Uh i don't know if it's Do Canadian firefighters have mustaches like every firefighter in the States does. It's kind of a thing like I I think you can't be a firefighter if you can't grow one.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of those things that kind of comes with the job description. Like you have to be able to grow one and it has to like look there. You can't have that in between window that a lot of people get with mustaches.
1: Like it's got to be somehow fully grown out the first day you start. Yeah, you got to have like a Lanny or a Sam Bennett or be able to, you know, curl it on the ends, you know, type deal. So i we looking forward to that as the, as the winter goes on to see if you can kind of snidely whiplash, you know, curl it up Dudley, you know, <laughs> Bullwinkle style. So uh, Flames and Sharks tonight, 8 p.m. Mountain Time, uh, 8.30, sorry, Mountain Time start uh, in San Jose. Uh, completely different looking San Jose team the Flames are going up against. Um, there aren't 10 players out. They do have a coach. They do have a head trainer. Um, what are your expectations for tonight? Um, I
0: am pretty comfortable in expecting the Flames to win, especially after they had a move of a stinker in Vegas the other night. I think um I don't know, the Sharks are one of those teams that like whenever the Flames play them, it's kinda like you feel like they should win, but you never really know what to expect. Like the last four or five years that they played them, like the Sharks have kind of been this like middle of the pack team and I don't know, it seems to always be an entertaining game against the Sharks, especially in San Jose. I find it always seems to be like a five-four shootout kind of game, or at least that's how it feels. So, you know, I, I expect them to come out. They also probably want to make up for that stinker they had earlier in the year, too, where they deserved to win, and then the Sharks just took over. Or I got that one goal and just couldn't, didn't let anything else through after that. So I think it'll be a good game. Um, Yeah, not a ton to say it's been a good road trip so far.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I even looked at I, in the preview today, I said if Calgary gets two or one point out of this game, I think that's a successful road trip. Uh, West Coast trips have never been kind to the Flames. They just won their third in a row in Anaheim, which is great after, you know, we all know the streak. Uh, Vegas apparently is new Anaheim. Um, you know, the Kings game is what it was. The Flames ground a game out one, three to two. So that's fine. Um, I would expect a probably a similar thing tonight too. Um, you know, a three to two, maybe four, three type game. I don't expect it to be a blowout. Um, or even a two to one. I think it's going to be somewhere in between. um the flames uh, West Gobitern of um, Post media just put up the flames lines from uh, practice this morning. Top line stays the same. Gudro Lynn Holmkachuk. Uh the second line has been reunited of uh, Blake Coleman, Michael Backlin, and Andrew Monchapani. I think that's probably to try to get backland and Coleman going. Coleman's been a uh, a black hole of offense. There's just nothing there. and Backlund, it kind of goes in little spurts where we'll have like you know two or three games in a row with the point, and then he disappears for a little bit. And we all know Manjupani's got 16 games on the road, just absolutely crushing it. It's it makes no sense. Uh, so those guys are back together. Uh, Lucic, Monaghan, and Dubay. Um, maybe that's another line where they're putting Lucic down on the third to try to get Dube and Monaghan going <laughs> just because Lucic has been, yeah, you know, played so well. And then we've got the bottom, the bottom pairing, the bottom line of. Uh, Richardson, Ruzicka, and Lewis, not exactly uh, a line that's uh, producing um, or going to produce home run results. Um, Ruzicka struggled uh, the other night. Uh, he, Dubé, and Richardson had low, low minutes. Uh, what are your thoughts on tonight's lines?
0: Um, I would say I'm kind of looking forward to seeing Coleman back with backland and Manjapani. I think that'll be a trio that should get some like i think coleman's been despite not scoring as much i know he finally got off the schneid against the ducks but despite not scoring as much i still think he does a lot of things well kind of like backland um and, and speaking of Backlund, like he's always been that late late in the season he suddenly gets hot guys so i don't i think that's a good second line um i don't mind Dubé and lucic they've played together well in the past um it's not the most it's not a jaw-dropping like i'm terrified of that line like it, it seems like one of those things that it could go off the rails really quickly. Um, I think Ruzichka is kind of like the wild card. Like, we've seen him the last few games, but at the same time, we haven't seen much of him. Um, he does a, a lot in Stockton does pretty well there, so I'm surprised we're not seeing him make a bit more of an impact right now. So we'll see if maybe it's just like uh, – just because they were in California, they tried him out, but we'll see if he kind of sticks after tonight.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of makes sense that you pull in a kid from, you know, Stockton out there to throw him in the lineup. I mean, maybe this is his – you know his uh his look in the lineup with uh Tyler Pitlick out um and i don't think any of us are, you know. I mean, we hope that he's not hurt nothing major injury wise, but i think Pitlick was a guy that probably could have used a couple games watching down from the uh the press box now.
0: Yeah, he's he is what he is. He's okay. Um i don't mind him being the guy that kind of rotates in and out. So it's too bad he's hurt again, but yeah, it's i'm not losing sleep over it.
1: Yeah, and I wonder, too, if Razicka gets a couple looks and then maybe if, you know, Peltier is playing well, they give him a look or they bring Godden back up. You know, they they look around and find some other kids to move through the lineup just to see if any of these injuries last. Because, I mean, Richardson's been fine. Again, he's an is what he is guy. Same thing with Lewis. And sadly, Dubé, I think, is be kind of kind of becoming one of those. He is what he is guys, too. Now,
0: yeah, he seems to kind of just have uh flatlined of late I would say like this season even part of last season like he just hasn't taken that next step that we were kind of waiting for like where a guy like Manchapani has um yeah it's hard to say with him because he has had some chances a bit further up the lineup too and just it just seems like when things are starting to go well he just doesn't seem to get out of the coach's doghouse either which doesn't help but he's not doing anything like I I said last game like I was very ready to give him a game in the press box at this point maybe too just to Try and settle him down and kind of start fresh because mm-hmm. it's just, it's not working right now for him, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, no. And, and, um, defense wise today, too, um, reports from Morning Skate that are circling, circulating around or, um, Oliver Shillington was not at Morning Skate today. No reason why. Um, don't like the idea of potentially Shillington being out of the lineup. Um, but, you know, it's also, you know, is Michael Stone going to get another look tonight or is he going to drop back out and is Zadorof going to come back in because they haven't released their pairings? And that's been one of the things that, you know, the flames haven't had a problem with so far this year's defense. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there.
0: Yeah. I think, um, I saw, I think a quote from Sutter shortly after that said, um, someone along the lines of, Oh, guys don't always skate in the morning. If they're playing at night, sometimes they get some time off or something. So it could just be, they want to give them a morning to rest up a bit, but ho- hopefully he's playing tonight. He's been so good. It'd suck to see him come out of the lineup for, uh, it would have to be an injury, obviously with how good he's been playing. But, uh, yeah, I'd be kind of worried if like Zadorov, Goodbranson, Stone is like half of your defense score for a game. So we shall see what they end up icing tonight when game comes.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's all light a candle for Oliver Shillington so he gets out there tonight. Uh, good vibes, but I'm guessing it's probably maintenance or something like that. Um, yeah, and with the you brought up a good point too of Stone, Zadorov, and Goodbranson. I'm not one of those people. I mean, there's a few people on Flames Twitter that absolutely hammer on Zadorov every game and Goodbranson, and I think it's just like a it's an easy out it's kind of like how i used to i had my sam bennett grudge you know that type of thing with these guys um i don't like the three of them in the lineup together but two out of the three i got no problems with that kind of i think i stand where you are on
0: that yeah i get the sense that like for, at least for me like i'll hammer on them if they do have a bad game and i'll but at the same time i'll say good stuff about them if they have a good game i think a lot of people that just hammer on some of these guys are the people that wish brad Free living did more this off season and these weren't the big guys they've brought in um I agree with them on that, but at the same time, like I can't really hold it against these guys. Like They're still doing better than what I thought they would, so it's not really doing anything to keep harping on them.
1: Exactly. They're here. They're playing. Deal with it. You can't really make it. You're not going to change that because you're not trading either of those guys at the trade deadline, and honestly, they've played decent enough. Speaking of playing uh, pretty well for the Calgary Flames is Dan Vladar. who's going to get the start tonight in San Jose for the Flames. Last game out uh, was the 4-3 shootout victory over the Anaheim Ducks, where he stopped Thirty-one of thirty-four for a nine-twelve save percentage. Um, your thoughts on you good with Ladar getting a start tonight?
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's been playing very well this first year at the Flames and really first full NHL season. Five one up to this point. Like, I think we we have them kind of playing in a good balance right now. Um, it's good to kind of get Markstrom in and out a little bit, but um, to really have them playing well together has just been such a boost for the Flames. They're both like top five in the league and most of the major stats. So it's, it's just nice to have two steady goalies that you don't have to be worried who, who they're going to each night.
1: Exactly. And getting Vladar some more starts gets you know gets his confidence going, builds him up a little bit more. And you see Markstrom and the two of them, like especially the other night, he makes the two big stops in the shootout and Flames win. And you know Markstrom couldn't have been more happy. It looked like Markstrom was out there to win the game. So it's nice that they both, there's no real competition. It's like they both know their role and they're both just happy for each other.
0: Yeah, totally. I think we've kind of seen that all year long. It seems to be working well, like the kind of the rookie goalie studying under the master right now. It just it just seems to be a really good balance for the team. And I think just having that balance back there is really helping the rest of the team play well too.
1: Yeah, no no doubt. I mean it's just it's a good situation to have. I don't think the Flames have had that kind of situation in a very, very, very long time. Um you'd probably have to go back to, you know, a a pairing that's that good that you could trust would be like you know, Vernon Wamsley or Vernon Lemlin, you know, so like you'd have to dig deep into the flames archives for that. Um, little news around the NHL. Connor McDavid ejected the other night for boarding uh, hit during a game against the Kings. Um, you know, uh, Kemper's head hit the, uh, you just give me your thoughts on it.
0: It's it's one of those plays that like the first time I saw it, I was like, Okay, yeah, it's probably a boarding call but like you kinda watch the whole thing kind of evolve and like the two hit each other pretty good, the blue line coming in, like Yeah. I I could see how they argue there was enough intent there to give it the five minute, but um I think it speaks a lot too that we didn't see any supplemental discipline come from it either. That yes, five in a game was enough. The oilers ended up giving up I think it was like three goals on the penalty kill during that five minute major, so like I think they paid enough for it. I didn't think it was like egregious, but it definitely warranted I would say at least like a double minor. I don't know about a major, but it was it was a tough play in my opinion because like you could kind of see the arguments both sides made, like, oh, is it a major or is it a minor? So well I think I'm fine with where it ended up.
1: Yeah, I, I can kinda of sit with you on that one too. And I mean, you know, McDavid's thrown some dirty hits over his time, but he also takes a ton of major hits too, and it actually was kind of I guess not refreshing. Yeah, I guess it was refreshing to see the league actually kind of put the screws to one of its stars in a game, you know, and not just give them a free pass because of who they are.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's important to kind of keep everyone on the same playing field. Um, yeah, at the very least, I think it kind of makes them have to watch out a little bit going forward this to year, too, because the guys might have their eye on him now as well. So, yeah, it's not a lot to say besides what we've already said about it. Like, it's, it is what what is the Oilers lost, which is always good. So, yeah, it's kind of a weird play that happens, I guess.
1: Um, other things, other news around the league or uh the Philadelphia Flyers, Vigneault is out. The Flyers are just the Flyers season could not, I would think, have gone worse other than the season where they used like nine goaltenders because people kept getting hurt. Um and I know we don't cover the East, so we don't have a lot to, you know, say about this. Maddie would probably have more on this if she was hanging out with us, but um Flyers fire their coach. And then a dog comes out on the ice and takes a dump on the center ice logo in Philly. I mean, I think that pretty much sums up the Flyers season so far. Um, I don't know if you have yeah, any thoughts that's, on uh, that. That's,
0: <laughs> that's, 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 that's pure Philly. It's too bad, too, because they actually have, like, Carter Hart playing well again, and then just everybody else is falling apart. Um, I'm very excited to talk to Maddie tomorrow when we record See see what her full thoughts are on it. So.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking of, well, it's weird. You know, players step on the logo in the, the locker room and the dressing room, and everybody gets freaked out. The dog actually just took a giant crap on the logo. So, I mean, I don't even know what that says for you in the rest of your season, how that works. So, um, speaking of teams falling apart within the Flames Zone division of the Pacific, the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Michael, could things have possibly gone worse for a team this season outside of like, you know, illness, COVID type things? Like, the Canucks has just been. Just it's like a bag of poo on fire on a front porch, right? Somebody's got to stamp it out at some point.
0: Well, yeah, that's the thing about the Canucks too. Is that I think the fans saw it coming. The other teams and their fans saw it coming, but they just didn't for whatever reason. Like even after last year when they were pretty bad too, like they just didn't think they were going to be bad this year. Like they they're accidentally bad, which is not good, right? They um, <laughs> they haven't planned to be bad in the last like decade, but they've been bad for most of it. So it's like what's your plan here? Then obviously we kind of saw things come to the head with the fire betting chance and everything during that Pittsburgh game. But now nah, I'm glad they finally made a move. I think like as a friend of some Canucks fans, like it kind of sucked to see how much they were kind of suffering towards the end here. So like, I hope things get a little bit better now with Bruce Boudreau, but uh, hopefully not too much better. Cause you know, we still don't want them being good.
1: Well, and you know, they brought it, they Patterson and Hughes got their contracts and, nothing is that like Pedersen's having a horrible season. Like it's just not going, nothing's going well up there. And you look down the road, you know, Calgary's got Markstrom, Calgary's got Tanev. Um, you wrote a lovely column, uh, that was up this morning, uh, thanking Benning for all he did for the flames. Um, to elaborate for our listeners who maybe haven't read it yet.
0: Well, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Cause I was thinking kind of, um, it was kind of a piece that I've been juggling around as we kind of saw that this was inevitably going to happen. Um, yeah, no, I was just thinking back to, like, all the things that kind of happened during Benning's tenure, like, when he gave the Flames a second for Berchi, and that second turned out to be Rasmus Anderson, and then they signed Berchi for, like, $3 million a year, and he scored eight goals after that. Like, it's just <laughs> these little things. Like, obviously, passing on Matthew Kachuk, that's still the thing that we all, like, wake up and praise Benning for every day. Like, that's just been the best out of all of them. And then, yeah, like you said, little things like letting Tana go because they spent way too much money on, like bottom six bottom line guys. It just, I think a lot of the flame success wouldn't be where it is. If it wasn't for the work of a rival GM, which probably isn't a normal thing to say.
1: Yeah, no, completely agree. I mean, the whole Sven Berchi thing, I remember like everybody was like, no, you can't get rid of like the, the beating of the drum that keeps Sven Berchi. The flames should never get rid of Sven Berchi. And like, you'd watch him play and you're like, why, why do you want to keep this guy? Like, He's not good. Like, like, let it go. Like, kind, of, almost like kind of like a Mark Jankowski. Like, you know, the 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 lofty goals and hopes and dreams for a kid were there. But, like, he's just not good. So, like, that one I never understood. And then the whole, like, you replace Chris Tanev with Travis Hamanick. And, I mean, Hamanick came up for one game, and now he's back in the minors. Like, it's, it's almost like, like, I think I said it a couple weeks ago. I don't know if I was talking about the Flames or somebody else, but it's like Vancouver's definitely, like, that bus on fire with no brakes filled with puppies driving toward a gas station. You know, it's just, they're a hot mess.
0: Yeah, and, like, I'm glad they finally got a game back in the win column last night but man, man there. I think they've dug too deep of a hole unless, like, all of their guys who've been struggling start suddenly scoring, like, two points a game, like McDavid or something. Um, yeah, They might already be too far out of it, which is a shame to say with 55 games left to go in the season or thereabouts.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, good news for Calgary—it's one less team they have to worry about in the Pacific and the West. Um, any other thoughts through with the Flames of the NHL before we take a quick break? Um,
0: I just wanted to say that, like, I still hate T-Mobile Arena. That is so stupid. The Flames can't <laughs> win there, and that they literally just transferred a curse from one to the other within like a couple of months of each other. And this, this team is nonsense. Why? Why is there always some kind of curse on this team? I just, I, I don't get it, man.
1: Yeah, it's 0-7, and, and I believe now the totals, they have been outscored 31-4 to 4 in Vegas and shut out, I think, three times. And they would think both shutouts were 6 nothing games too. So, yeah, Vegas, I mean, maybe it's a case of the Vegas flu or maybe Vegas' is new Anaheim. I, it's just, it just always seems like there's going to be one place, and hopefully it doesn't become the saddle dome for the Flames either because they have not exactly played well at home. We're going to take a quick break here on Mark, Mark and Michael's Musings. we come back, we're going to talk a little football and go over some weird weather games that we've watched or been through over the years. And we will tackle all that when we come back. welcome back to mark and michael's musings a matchsticks and gasoline podcast under the umbrella of sb nation's podcast network we hammered through the flames in the nhl in the first half of this podcast michael um eagles uh what was your weekend like football wise
0: well i saw the eagles beat the jets with uh the good old gardner Minshew out there that was a lot of fun he um he got the start kind of last minute because they kept hurts out and uh shockingly there's qb controversies in philly or like controversies of any kind
1: gardner Minshew, outside of you gardner Minshew, rocking probably the best mustache out there around still like he just that thing just suits him
0: yeah he is just uh i i don't know how to say it but like if he has another couple of good games which he might get into a few more here we'll kind of see after the bye week like he he could be like full hero status, like a Nick Foles, very very quickly in that city, just because they love their guys like that.
1: Well, and and as far as I'm concerned, anytime somebody beats the Jets, that's great for me because I the the Jets. I mean, I live in Massachusetts and I hate the Patriots, but I really think I I don't hate the Patriots as much as I think I hate Patriot fans. Um, sorry, family, uh, but I hate everything about the Jets: the the organization, the helmet, the uniforms. Uh, fireman ed i hate everything about the new york jets so anytime someone can beat the jets that's good what what do you think of Minshew's quote afterwards too where he's like he rolls off this like the deep thoughts on van gogh be like van gogh nobody liked his artwork and you know he didn't care and he cut his ear off and he said i can't hear you like it was just like it was like this bizarro like quote that he threw out there any thoughts on that
0: yeah, it it just I, I feel like he must have just found like a Van Gogh like YouTube video that morning or something and just had this like fresh knowledge <laughs> in his head. Like there's no way you just drop Van Gogh in a random interview and move on, especially when you're like a football guy. Like, all due respect to football guys, but like, come on. That that was just again, that's just another thing that like Philly fans are gonna be all over and absolutely love him for it if he keeps playing well.
1: Are you saying that when Gardner Minshew visits New York he doesn't take up the Met and check out the artwork? Is that what you're saying, Michael?
0: I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he did. I'll give maybe I'll give some benefit of the doubt there, but uh, I, I wouldn't put money on it.
1: No, but I, I would like to. Maybe we should do a Mount Rushmore too of like football mustaches, because I look at his mustache and all I can think of is Dave Wanstead's mustache when he coached the the Dolphins, and they are probably two of the best porn stashes since the nineteen seventies. <laughs> so they got that going for them. Uh, on my end for football, uh, much like you, uh, the Dolphins. Roaring back out of nowhere, six and seven, five wins in a row after uh beating New England on opening weekend and then falling apart. Uh I mean I've never had a problem with him. I was thrilled that they tanked enough to get him. I I fall more in love with Tua Tonga every single week. Um he had a throw uh on Sunday for a touchdown pass where he had Devontae Parker crossing the end zone. It was a beautiful play fake off the snap. He rolled to his left, just kind of held the football. And Isaiah Ford was his primary target, looked him off, put his looked into Parker in the end zone, then just turned his shoulders a little bit, no look past to wide open. Everybody on the Giants bid on it and rolled back towards Devontae Parker. And Ford was wide open right at the pylon, hit him, toe taps in, touchdown, Dolphins are up. It's just the football smarts are amazing. And, like, if you had asked me uh, five weeks ago, you know, do you think the Dolphins will be in third place? and the Patriots will be in first place and the Bills will be in second, I would have been like, what, what drugs are you on? Like that would have been like Allen's quarterback in the East, the Patriots, Mac Jones is whatever. The dolphins are terrible. And yet here I am with you six and seven. What the hell's going on with football?
0: It's uh, it's an open season, especially the AFC. It seems like everybody in the AFC is like around 500 this year, which is kind of crazy. And I don't. It's going to make a good, interesting last uh, four or five games of the season here. I'm. Uh, I think that's all we could both kind of hope for this season is our team would be like kind of in the playoff hunt down the stretch. And because in my opinion, there's nothing worse than watching football when your team's out of it. Like hockey, like you can kind of get behind maybe one game, but for me, I just can't watch football once the Eagles have been like mathematically eliminated. It just it feels like preseason, but like with, you're not even like looking for stuff at that point. It's just like okay, let's get this over with.
1: That's how I am with football too. Like usually, when the Dolphins are eliminated, it doesn't matter, and all I do is I root for Ryan Tannehill because I still have a soft spot for Ryan Tannehill because he gets such a raw deal with the Dolphins. So I'm, it doesn't look like it's going to be that good for him without Derrick Henry. But um, I just sit there and I look at um Chris Sims the other day talking about how two was not that accurate and Mike Glennon would be a more accurate quarterback, and I just wonder if Chris Sims looked at the numbers. Um, I'm going to put out two sets of quarterback numbers. One of them was thirty for forty-one for two forty-four, two touchdowns, and then a 4.1 quarterback rating the other one was um 23 for 44 187 yards one pick a 53.9 and i think he has a 14 inch neck going up not around um so yeah um chris sims i think uh to a is slightly more accurate and a better quarterback than mike glennon um do you ever think that sometimes like like where like the um it's the word i'm looking for the uh so i can't come up with the word off the top of my head right now but like the Everybody piles on one player for no reason. Like you know, it starts with, say, a guy like Skip Bayless, or um, it starts with a guy like Colin Cowherd who can't stand Tua. Like as that ball rolls down, like I don't understand like how that happens. Like how one guy just keeps getting dumped on when they keep performing. And it it could be it's for me it's Tua, but like you know, Philly's notorious for that too. So how does that happen?
0: I don't know. I think part of it is like once the fans do get an inkling like anybody that had a bad game, a lot of these guys know it'll get them clicks, it'll get them views when they pile on these guys like it's uh i think it's as much that as it is like actually feeling that you're that this player isn't that good um i know they've been kind of doing that with hurts a little bit like it seems like every time he has a good game like there's people coming out saying like oh he's going to save everything he's going to win the five super bowls and then like as soon as he throws one bad pass like everyone's like oh this is why he's an inaccurate quarterback and isn't going to make it it's just i i think these people got to be doing it for clicks or for clout. like i just don't get it personally it's um it's too bad but like at the end of the day it's entertainment you want to get people's attention so i think that's probably why they do it
1: yeah and you know and a guy like Tua too like he he fell just short i think this week of 80% passing so he had done like 3 weeks before he would have been i think it was like the first quarterback since god knows when to you know have four straight weeks of 80% completions and you know even um giants cornerback was like well you know i can be a backup quarterback too you know like cuz i was in high school if you need me cuz i can throw 2 yard passes like Tua does as well i'm like dude don't hate like you know, Tua juke that guy on a play, and like he dove and he missed him. He broke his ankles. He went around and picked up three yards on a quarterback run, and you know, it was like, like I don't care how far the ball moves downfield. I'm like, like I grew up watching Dan Marino. The move, the ball moved downfield a ton, didn't lead to Super Bowls. Okay, and I love Dan Marino. Like, like, like bury me in my Marino jersey. Okay, but like, I don't care if Tua like doesn't throw the ball forty yards downfield. Throw it six. And let Jalen Waddle go, let Parker, let these guys run. I don't know how you feel about that. Like I'm over the big Warren moon, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, you know, launch it downfield, the old, the old run and shoot, you old know, chuck and duck in Houston and Atlanta. Like that stuff to me, I don't care. Like get me down the field and win, put the ball in the end zone. Right.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page there. Like, I'm kind of at the point where it's like, like you said, just get the ball down the field. It doesn't really matter how it gets there. Like, it's nice having a quarterback that can have that that big play capability. But uh, I think it's such, like, a low percentage play now, too. It's um, It just doesn't feel like we're seeing as many guys who would take those shots anymore regardless of if they're good enough to do it or not. So, yeah, I don't mind a game manager quarterback as long as they do have a little bit of an ability to, like, up their game in, like, the big games. But, I think we've seen this league at the very least, like if you're a mediocre team, like the quarterback that's just good enough to, it's kind of like with goalies in hockey, like to win the cup, you probably need like an elite goaltender or a very, very good goaltender. But to like just get into the playoffs and be like at least a respectable team, like you don't need a ton, just you need someone that you can rely on kind of to not screw things up bad enough for you to lose.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And the ultimate poster boy for that is Trent Dilfer and the Baltimore Ravens when they won their Super Bowl because they won that with defense. But you know he wins a Super Bowl, and that's you know you build a team. It's a whole team. You can have a you have a game manager, you can still win. You know as long as you have solid defense and and passing downfield too, as you mentioned, as being as a low percentage pass these days, it's an easy out. You just chuck the ball downfield and. Chances are you're probably going to get a pass interference call down there because you know people are still so handsy. Whereas, you know, back in the day, like receivers would get mauled going down the field and they were throwing deep. So, you know, it was it was even, I think, a less high percentage throw then as it is now because now you can just chuck it and be like that, eh, maybe we'll get a pass interference penalty. So got that going for you. Um, speaking of passing or lack of passing, um whoo, that Patriots uh Bills game last night, uh, Mac Jones sets a Patriots franchise record for the lowest amount of pass attempts in a game, two for three for 19 yards. Um, look, I get it. The wind was, I mean, and for the whole second quarter, the Patriots had the wind to their back. They could have thrown the football. I hate the Patriots, so I hope it's Belichick not trusting Jones because he sucks, but like um, is that like, is I mean, it worked. They ended up getting the win, but like is that just Belichick being smart or is that Belichick not trusting his quarterback?
0: Um, I think if he's smart, it's probably both. Um, yeah, it was just such a crazy, uh, weather event, like the blowing wind and the heavy snow. Like I don't think, I think it was kind of shocking that it was that low for a passing attempt game, but like, it seemed like it was going to be a pretty much on the ground game all night long. And it was, um, I didn't watch a ton of it, but man, it just, it seemed like a slog out there. And, uh, yeah, I think Belichick's probably, Like we said he's done this before, like he knows what he needs to do to win those games as much as we hate him for it. So we'll see if it kind of carries over next week or not.
1: Yeah, I mean you look at those conditions too. Upstate New York this time of year is no guarantee. I mean, I was four miles from the Canadian border this weekend in Vermont, you know, directly across and it rained and was foggy the whole way up. I woke up on Sunday morning at six AM to take my son to a hockey game and it was like 12 degrees there was 3 inches of fresh powder and the wind had to him blowing 40 miles an hour it, like it always changes right and you look at buffalo it's smart you you know when you have the wind through the back you know you might want to put the ball up in the air but i also blame this on both um buffalo's defense too like you know they're going to run the football right you know mac jones isn't going to throw how do you not just fill the box and just not let them run
0: yeah that it seems like a it's like you know like a team is good or a coach is good when you um, when you know what they're gonna do but yet that you still can't stop them. So I think I, I just think it's a game it was another game for the Bills this year where it's like if you really want to show that you're one of that more echelon teams, like you need to win that game and so right now I think we have to talk about the Patriots again getting back into this uh I don't think not quite like Brady era contenders, but like definitely a team that's gonna be in the picture all year long.
1: Well, yeah, and all they have to do, and as much as I hate to admit it, all Belichick has to do with Mac Jones is what he did with Brady when he took over for Bledsoe, when Bledsoe got hurt, and that was game manage, buddy. You don't have to throw the ball 45 times. Let's, let's run it 20, 30 times. You know, you throw the ball 20, 25 times, if that, and they'll be fine. You know, And Nick Folk has shown that his leg, after being 75 years old, still works. So, God damn it, the Patriots are good again. Yeah,
0: that one year or two years was fun, but now it's uh, back to normal.
1: And it wasn't even fun for me because the Dolphins sucked that whole time. So whatever. Um, so uh, speaking of weird weather games, you know, we, we were, you mentioned before, we, you know, what are some weird weather games after watching that? You know, the wind, the snow and everything else. Um, you want to lead it off. Like, what's the craziest, most bizarre weather you've ever seen at a game? It
0: well, could I mean, be like in person
1: like... or watching on you know TV.
0: Well, I was going to say, like, I've been to a couple of CFL games over the years where it's like they got to the point where they're just shoveling off literally the lines and nothing else on the field because uh, that's all they had time for before it piled up again. I was at the Winter Classic in Regina a couple of years ago, and that was just – that was cold. The wind was blowing the snow like 90 degrees straight across. And as much fun as the game was, like that was one of the crazier weather games too. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of those interesting ones, especially like anything at a CFL stadium like November even into December. It's, uh, it's cold. I don't know about you. What do you have for uh,
1: good stories of games? I mean being in person for games it's weird like i've never been to gillette or old foxborough when it snowed right i've been there in a driving rain which is miserable but I've literally been there on, like, probably three of the coldest Patriots games, like, ever. Like, they've just been miserable. Uh, there was five or – no, it had to be longer than that. Now. Seven, eight years ago, I went to a game where it was, like, minus 20. You know, like, we were tailgating, and it took, like, an hour and a half to get the grill warm enough to cook anything. You know, it was just – it was that cold. Uh, when I was in high school, the Patriots were just such trash. I used to drive up on a Sunday morning for like, me and my high school friends and Patriots – one year, because, you know, you're young and stupid. Actually, who am I kidding? I would still do it today. I bought a Dolphins inflatable helmet at the old Foxborough Stadium, and it was so cold when I blew it up, I snapped the, the plastic on it. It was so cold. Like, you couldn't blow it up. Like it had a hole in it. Um, it was that cold. And then the next year, they played the day after Christmas Day. Again, drove up, bought tickets that day, went into the game, and uh, had my brand new Dolphins hoodie on from Christmas. You know, you know, when you're a kid, like you don't like you don't think about the cold. You know, you're like you're wearing a hoodie with maybe like a thermal shirt underneath it when it's, you know, eight degrees. And I was in the end zones, which if you're anything familiar, listening to this podcast with old Foxborough Stadium. Um, that's the worst place to sit if you're an opposing fan. I had grown men throwing full cups of beer on me the entire game. And I had frozen like my sweatshirt was frozen with crusted beer um, just from a adic- little adult men throwing beer on a 17 year old kid. <laughs> it was like, it's insane. So I think cold weather wise, that's it. Um, you know, cause like, you know, I've been to Cubs games before at Wrigley in April where, or May, even May, where if you're sitting in the first baseline in the sun, it's beautiful. If you're in the, you know, the grandstands on the third baseline, like where I was, it's freezing. So you just have to go get drunk on the roof deck and just hang out there because it's warm. Um, Hockey games, I drove through eight inches of snow to watch the Flames get absolutely slaughtered by the uh, the Boston Bruins. You know, my cousin and I did that. We drove in through a semi-Blizzard to get to the game. Um, so, you know, but outside of that, you know, not a ton of stuff. I remember as a kid watching, um, I think it was definitely at Soldier's Field. It was the Bears and I believe the Vikings or the Lions, one of the two, in that horrible fog game where uh, you just, like, what the game was being broadcast on CBS at that time. They had the NFC. And it was, like, the most bizarre game ever because you couldn't see anything happening because the field, like, the fog coming off Lake Michigan was absolutely bananas where you couldn't see a thing. So, um, yeah, that's it, you know. But then, you know, I've watched some horrible Dolphins games in the rain, too, where it's just been a mud slog. Uh, You got anything else other than, you know, almost freezing to death at the Winter Classic? Well, I was
0: going to say, I remember that Dolphins game from – Geez, was it like the mid two thousands when I was against Pittsburgh? And it was like that three nothing game in the mud at Pittsburgh. Like that just yep. comes to mind for like horrendous weather. Like nothing's good about it. Like the game is ruined too. Just there's been a lot of good weather ones over the years. I remember all these like times growing up, getting to hockey games all around I... the city or out the middle of nowhere where it's minus thirty and inches and almost like feet of snow at times. Like you come out, your car is like soaked halfway up the tires with snow. It's just there's some good weather moments over the years for sure, and I think like it, I, it's fun to watch like the pro games because it's like this is another like layer of entertainment, but kind of sucks when you're like playing it or driving it.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, refereeing a football game on Thanksgiving here one uh, year. We got like eight inches of snow in the overnight. I worked that night, came home, got all my referee stuff, and went to a game, and they hadn't even shoveled the field. They shoveled like the the 50 yard line. They shuffled the uh, the goal line in the back of the end zone a little bit of the sidelines and we just used the chains to guess where the rest of it was because it was so much snow on the field and we couldn't move okay. it um which which was fun I mean I was the back judge I don't know if you're anything about refereeing football at the high school level the back judge is the guy that covers the d- deep receivers and the passes I literally did nothing that entire day because nobody could throw the football it was like three yards boom into a pile of snow and that was the game so um yeah most of it I think revolves around snow and just being cold you know I've never. You know, yeah, I think that I think that covers it. And just watching some of those weird, weird games, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. Anything else? Weird. Anything else you want to add? Anything else you want to discuss before we wrap it up and get out of here?
0: Um, I think I'm pretty good. I'm just uh, getting excited to hopefully watch the Flames end this trip on a good note. And then, yeah, it's gonna be a bit of a challenge this homestand, but uh, they've lived up to most of our expectations so far, and
1: most of the challenges. So we'll see if they keep that going absolutely all right yeah flames and sharks tonight 8 30 p.m mountain time start from san jose at the sap center in san jose in san jose it's the longest name for an arena i think i've ever seen uh flames looking to wrap up this road trip with a third victory and come home to face the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Boston Bruins. Michael, thanks for coming on and talking all kinds of stuff this afternoon. You have been listening to Mark and Michael's Musings. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify under the Matchsticks and Gasoline heading. Just search us up. We are part of the Matchsticks and Gasoline podcast network underneath the SB Nation podcast umbrella. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time on Mark and Michael's Musings.